In a year when Canadians were dragged to the polls for an election no one wanted, that got us back to where we started in the first place. Albertans were also trudging to the polls for a referendum on the equalization program to gain leverage with the federal government. The results, 61% voting yes to remove equalization from the Constitution. Will it ever happen? Hello and welcome to Unpublished TV. I'm Ed Hand. We're coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. The referendum was a campaign promised by Jason Kenney and the United Conservative Party. Equalization basically distributes wealth to have-not provinces, primarily at the expense of Alberta and Ontario. What some Albertans see or don't like is the fact that funds are being given to provinces which have stifled Alberta's perceived growth. Think Quebec not allowing a pipeline through its land. Now, there are some nuances to adding up what each province will get. For example, in the calculation, the value of natural resource development can have an impact. It could give provinces the incentive to not develop those resources. Now, Jason Kenney's not the first premier to want to change the Constitution. Doug Ford in Ontario used the notwithstanding clause to get legislation through. Quebec wants to open it up to enshrine French as the official language of the province and declare itself a nation. Our unpublished vote question asks, do you feel Canada's equalization program should be changed? 88.9% said yes, 9.7% said no, 1.4% we're unsure. Now, however you're watching and listening to our show, whether through our social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, or our podcast channels, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more, I'd like to remind you that you can still cast your vote on this topic at unpublished.vote, and then email your MP to tell them why. Now, joining us to discuss the referendum and whether it will lead to change or the feds will just ignore it, Warren Kinsellis, the former advisor to Prime Minister Jean Chrétien, as well as a political commentator. Janet Brown is the principal at Janet, Janet Brown Opinion Research. Daniel Ballin is, the, is a professor and director of the Institute for the Study of Canada at McGill University. And Stephanie Schwinnard is just a professor of political science at Queen's University. And Stephanie, we'll start off with you. Alberta says it feels it's being treated unfairly in equalization. Is it? I mean, it's a question that all provinces can ask when they become uh, half provinces, right? And we've seen this here in Ontario when in 2019, uh, then Finance Minister Bill Morneau called up Doug Ford and said, you're going to be on the half side of the provinces this year. And, uh, and, and, so, and so Ontario has been ever since. And then Ontario thought that the calculation was suddenly unfair, right? So, so there's a lot there uh, to unpack. And obviously, if you're looking through time, some provinces have benefited from equalization uh, for more years than others. But at the end of the day, every province in the Federation have at some point benefited from equalization. Uh, Warren, what do you think? Do you think Alberta it says it's being untreated and equal, unfairly in equalization? Do you feel it is? Uh, what I think probably doesn't matter. I, honestly, you know, the problem with this referendum, and I expressed this to Alberta friends who are pushing for a bigger yes result, um, you know, the principal advocate for the change was Jason Kenney. Jason Kenney is the most unpopular politician in Canada. And whether that's fair to him or not, the bottom line is I thought it was a mistake for him to be pushing the referendum at this time because uh, he was the guy in the window advocating for it. So it became a little bit of a referendum on him as well. You know, when you do a referendum, because regrettably in Canada, we have some history with this, you need a popular leader like a Levesque. You need a simple question 
uh, one that isn't uh, hard for people to understand. And you need passion. You need people worked up over the issue. And I, uh, I know from um, coming from Alberta, people in Alberta are like everywhere else. They were concerned about the cost of living. They were concerned about the pandemic. They were concerned about uh, political representation. But the equalization formula just wasn't in their top 10 list uh, for many of them. And I think that's why we got the result that we did. Uh, what do you think, Jana? Uh, uh, Alberta feels it's being untreated or being treated unfairly with equalization. I'm under the impression that you feel that's the case. Well, Alberta is feeling like it's treated unfairly and equalization has become the flashpoint to that. Um, and, and equalization has sort of become a symbol for all sorts of unfairness. You know, and, and as Warren said, um, it was, it, it, the, the, there were so many complications with this referendum, it's hard to take the referendum at face value. So of all those things he talked about, you know, Jason Kenney's uh, the most unpopular premier in uh, Canada right now. And I would say that, you know, Jason Kenney is, is fast becoming the most unpopular uh, politician Alberta has ever had, at least sort of in, you know, in, in, in the memory of, of polling over the last 25 years. Um, you also said off the top that, um, you know, we voted in a federal election and then Albertans voted in an equalization referendum. Well, no, actually, we had a municipal election. And here in Calgary, there were seven questions on the ballot. And this was just one of them. And so, you know, people were um, were dealing with a whole bunch of questions that they needed to uh, answer. Or we didn't have an incumbent mayor here in Edmonton. There wasn't an incumbent mayor or in, in Calgary, we didn't have an incumbent mayor. They didn't have an incumbent mayor in, in Edmonton. So anyway, it was just a really, really complicated election. And this uh, equalization question was added on. And then the equalization question didn't ask Albertans whether they wanted to change the formula. It asked them whether they wanted the principle removed from the Constitution. So I think it left Albertans in a really awkward position. The vast majority of Albertans don't like the formula. They want the formula to change. But... That doesn't mean that Albertans don't think equalization is a valid um, principle and is that, that, that it, you know, in my focus groups, what people tell me is they don't mind the principle of equalization, it's the formula. So Jason Kenney asked them to vote about the principle, but in all his communications and all the paid advertising around it, people were asked to think about the formula. So at 62%, I think what that says is, you know, um, because lots of polling shows that people, way more people are disgruntled with equalization than 62%. I think what the 62% says, what the low voter turnout says, is that Albertans were disgruntled, but they just didn't, uh, the vast majority of Albertans didn't know what to do with this question. So the vast majority of Albertans didn't even answer the question. Uh, Daniel, 62% voted for, uh, obviously, the yes side here. But I, I found it interesting that uh, when you looked at Edmonton, uh, it basically voted no, and Calgary voted yes. What does that tell you? Well, you know, I live in Alberta for for six years, and I, I what I discovered when I moved there after moving there is that it, it was a much less homogeneous province than what people in Quebec or outside of Alberta in general think. So, and Janet is smiling because she knows that very well as as a, a wonderful pollster. Um, you know, Edmonton or Redmonton, as it's known, is is quite different politically than. Then Calgary, and then you have the, the 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 Bible Belt in the south of 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 Alberta, and even in rural areas, you know, you have the, also the oil belt further north and so forth. So I think you have different Albertas, and this is reflected in in electoral results when you see, you know, in Edmonton, 
the NDP at the provincial level is stronger. Uh, they, they can also win seats at the federal level. So I think it reflects uh, internal disparities, uh, political disparities or differences between uh, Albertans, among Albertans in a province that's not as homogeneous as what people think. And many people in Edmonton, they just don't like Jason Kenney. Well, Jason Kenney, as Warren said, is the least popular premier in the country right now. So the timing of this referendum was not good for him. And I think the low participation uh, reflects that in part. You know, their participation in the 1995 Quebec referendum was 93.5. This time around, we talk about the participation rate of 39, 40%. Uh, yes, it was tied to the municipal uh, elections, but if people were really, you know, wanted to make that such a big issue, they would have voted in greater numbers. And so that's, I think, uh, a problem for Jason Kenney, the low participation rate here, and the fact that he's so unpopular. So why would people in other provinces say, hey, we have to listen to what Jason Kenney is saying? Well, probably not. Uh, Stephanie, uh, you know, uh, leverage is what uh, Jason Kenney said uh, what, with this uh, with this referendum. That's what he wanted, some leverage with the federal government. Do, the, do these results give Alberta any leverage? Not very much. Uh, when you were talking about referenda, you want a sizable portion of the population to have partaken in order to have a clear mandate. Uh, so first of all, there was a very low participation rate. And second of all, the, the question itself, as well as the information that was provided to Albertans by Elections Alberta, uh, faced a lot of criticism. Uh, first of all, when, when we're looking at the question that was asked, as, as Janet uh, mentioned earlier, there's a disconnect between the question and uh, the information that was provided by the UCP. Uh, and the other problem is, you know, we can possibly remove uh, the um, the the um, uh, sorry, uh, equalization from, from the Constitution, it doesn't mean the federal government's going to stop paying it. The feds have been paying equalization since 1957, uh, so way prior to 1982, and arguably would continue to do so if only to ensure standardization of services across the Federation, particularly in Eastern Canada that's facing some real challenges from the demographic perspective, uh, so as to not see uh, too, too much movement of population throughout uh, throughout the country. Uh, so so that's that's another problem that that we're having here is that um, even Albertans who have strong feelings about equalization are not necessarily well represented by the results. Uh, and moreover, as was already mentioned, uh, Mr. Kenny is not going to be the person taken most seriously around the table at the Council of the Federation. So he will probably have an ally in Scott Moe, but as far as the other premiers go, I'm not so sure that he's going to have a whole lot of people willing to side with him. Warren, uh, do you think the federal government will act on this referendum or do you, do you think uh, it'll be ignored? I think uh, they will not act on it and I think they will ignore it. They may um, uh, say a few things, sympathetic noises and so on, mm -hmm. but um, you know, there's no political imperative there for Trudeau to react. The, the participation rate was low. Um, the, uh, there's no resounding demand for change in Alberta or anywhere, frankly. And, and, and quite frankly, I think that the impetus for this, so basically tinkering with the constitution of Canada at the provincial level, we're seeing that in Alberta, we're seeing that in Quebec, we're seeing noises about that in places like Manitoba. I think that this is the universe that Mr. Trudeau has created for us, where constitutional change will become largely unilateral 
and incremental and done at the provincial level. So I, I regret that. That's not uh, the Canada that uh, I would like to see, but I think that's the Canada that we are going to have for the foreseeable future. You expect that we're going to have a, a lot more of these situations where the, the Constitution, because I, I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm surprised how much the Constitution has taken a beating in the last year and a half. Yeah, I, you know, people are preoccupied with other issues, I presume, you know, the pandemic and so on. But uh, Trudeau has facilitated this and he got reelected. So there's been no repudiation of what he's enabled Alberta and Quebec to do. Uh, Janet, in, in terms of the uh, the referendum and what what's Jason Kenney going to have to do to see this as a win for him and for Alberta? Um, well, you know, he's he started uh, telegraphing what a win was a few days before the referendum, because um, I think when the when the idea was originally conceived, you know, polling was indicating that, you know, upwards of 70 percent of people thought that equalization was unfair. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Maru Public Opinion put out a poll uh, and they found that 84 percent of Albertans thought aspects of equalization were unfair. So, you know, it, it wasn't two years ago, it wasn't a big stretch to think that uh, the right referendum question could have gotten a huge yes number. Um, but as we got closer and closer, it looked like it wasn't going to be in the 70 or 80% range. So Jason Kenney just started talking about all I need is a bare majority. It doesn't matter how many people turn out to vote. All I need is a bare majority. So, you know, so he got his bare majority and he's trying to spin this as a success. But you know, he, he, you know, Trudeau's response was, I think, spot on. Um, you know, Jason Kenney said, look, if we have a majority of people who vote yes, I'll have some leverage to renegotiate equalization. Well, Justin Trudeau just turned around and said, no, you have a referendum to uh, remove equalization from the Constitution. And that has nothing to do with me. Go find six other premiers who represent 50% of the population, like go away. Um, so this is why the question is so problematic because now Justin Trudeau has the perfect reason to just turn around and say, well, no, you don't have a question to negotiate. You have a question that gives you uh, leverage to get out of equalization. Go find your six premiers, go find your 50% of the population, have at it. Uh, Daniel, uh, you know, I, I read your your point uh, or, or your article on um, equalization, and you say reforming the governance structure of the program will depoliticize it. How so? Well, you cannot depoliticize equalization entirely. Um, no. What you can do, well, first of all, I think what we need now is actually to look at equalization because there are actual problems with the formula that we have, which was adopted at the beginning of the Harper years, and the Trudeau government just renewed the equalization formula without the changes. Um, but I think that what we need to do now is look at the formula because a lot of things have changed, especially uh, uh, since 2014, the, the fall in oil prices. And of course, since the beginning of the pandemic, we have actually less inequality among provinces now than some years ago. And equalization is there to reduce uh, uh, fiscal inequalities among provinces. So we need to probably create right now um, an expert body, which is something that Paul Martin did, uh, you know, more than 15 years ago, and to have people looking at the actual formula and how it needs to be updated because the country is changing, the economy is changing, and we need to update this formula from time to time. And the time is now, or <laughs> within the next few years, we need to do this. And I think Trudeau has to show leadership 
um, and do this, not because of the uh, uh, Alberta referendum, uh, um, but because uh, there are some challenges facing the program. Trevor Toome from the University of Calgary, an economist, um, uh, published a, a piece on a website called financesofthenation.ca, which also has a cool uh, equalization simulator where you can actually think about what will happen in the next few years. And it seems that it's possible, according to him and the simulator, that Saskatchewan, uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, and perhaps even Ontario will receive equalization sooner rather than later. And when this happens, uh, this will uh, trigger different consequences uh, for various provinces, including potentially a, lose, uh, a loss of revenue for Quebec. So many provinces might have actually uh, um, you know, uh, uh, an incentive to push Ottawa to take a new look at equalization. But in the long run, we need a permanent commission like they have in Australia, uh, where people uh, who are outside of government, who are at arm's length from elected officials, to actually look at the equalization formula on a regular basis, rather than letting uh, uh, civil servants in the Department of Finance serve their elected political masters. And so having a permanent expert body is the way to go in the long run. But in the short run, we need a temporary a, a kind of commission or a body of experts like the one uh, created during the, the, the Martin years. And it worked well because Stephen Harper decided to adopt the recommendations of that expert body, although it had been uh, uh, really created by his predecessor, uh, Paul Martin. Equalization is a very contentious issue. And sometimes you need to um, look at this, uh, you know, the numbers in a more detached way and let experts, economists to understand the formula, which is very small minority of the population, to actually do their work and then come up with recommendations. And then you decide whether you want to adopt them or not. But change is needed. You mentioned that uh, there are challenges facing this program. What, what challenges? Just the, the fact that a lot of people don't like it? No, no, it's not just that. There are actually challenges in the way that... So what happened under the Harper year, during Harper, is that we created a, a, a cap on equalization, but this cap has become a floor <laughs> because uh, we have less inequality among provinces now. Uh, so um, the, the system is, is just out of sync with the, the economic and fiscal reality of the country now. So we need changes, not dramatic changes. It's not about ending equalization or removing it from the constitution. It's about tweaking or altering the formula, which we should do on a regular basis. Stephanie, I, I'm wondering, how do you see this program being changed to make it more palatable to, well, I guess to all provinces? Well, I think the first thing is to uh, start communicating how equalization actually works and what goes in and what goes out, you know, because equalization has become a bit of a lightning rod in parts of this country. But as, as Danielle just said, the vast majority of Canadians, and I would argue even the vast majority of academics, don't even understand how it works and how the calculation works on a year-to-year -year basis. So there's a, there's a real job for the federal government here to uh, start educating Canadians, start communicating exactly how it works to demystify uh, how how this program works and, and what it does. And I think Danielle's point is, is excellent to take it out of the political realm and to have a nonpartisan, unbiased um, committee who will have a, a, a hard look at how it works and where Canada's going in the next few years and see how we can actually tweak that and also communicate what that work is, the tweaking that's being done, uh, in order to come to a, a fairer assessment of 
who are the have and have not provinces? What are the real challenges that parts of the country uh, are facing and will be facing in the near future? And, you know, even perhaps say, uh, so we, we, uh, we will mandate future governments to do this and to strike this committee on a 10-year basis, perhaps the same way we do with, uh, you know, electoral boundaries, for example, after every 10-year census. I think that would be uh, something that would ensure that we don't get stuck in uh, a formula that doesn't work for today's challenges. Uh, what do you think, Warren? And if you put it, uh, you know, in a unbiased uh, board group, whatever, uh, do you think that takes the politics out of it or somehow politics will always wind its way back into it? Politics is like water. It always finds a way out. Like, honestly, you know, what is Canada, guys? Canada is a series of fiefdoms bound together by resentment. And the principle, <laughs> the best ways of articulating resentment is something like the equalization formula, because it's perfect, because nobody understands it, me included. Like, I work for a prime minister, and I don't understand it. I can't communicate it. So that's why, as a number of your panelists have already said, it's the perfect vehicle for a politician to manipulate and take advantage of. So yes, I do believe depoliticizing it is the way to go. But at the end of the day, like international law, the decisions that that body produces have to oscillate back into the political realm, and then it's a football again. So I, my prediction is, guys, we're going to all be talking about this on Ed's show about 20 years from now. <laughs> still. Wow, we're still going 20 years later. That's good to hear, Warren. Uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> Janet, I, I, I have to ask, you know, uh, you know, if there's going to be any change, it has to be approved by the House of Commons, the Senate and two thirds of the provinces. And, and well, that's an awful lot of agreement to, to, to get lined up. Do you think that could ever happen? Well, you know, as I said off the top, Albertans are disgruntled about a whole bunch of things. And equalization is just the flashpoint. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not a, a, a constitutional scholar. I can't even comment on the likelihood that this is going to happen. Um, but let's say it even does happen. That doesn't necessarily squash um, Western alienation or frustration in, in Alberta because you know, this, like I said, has become more of a symbolic thing than an actual thing. And Stephanie is so right. Um, you know, there's very little understanding of equalization. Um, you know, Trevor Toome, who's been mentioned, he has worked tirelessly to try and educate people. Um, but people really don't care about the mechanisms, right? Like, I remember standing in line on election day and listening to one of my neighbors say, now, how do I vote if I don't want Alberta to keep sending a check to Quebec? Well, of course, Alberta doesn't send a, a check to Quebec. That's part of the mythology around equalization. And actually, people would rather hang on to that misinformation because it, you know, it it, it reinforces their, their it's confirmation bias, it reinforces their belief. So, um, you know, I think when you're talking about sort of Alberta's um, frustration right now, um, equalization is just a symbol. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure that you know, even if you even if you could come up with something apolitical in the perfect formula, uh, there has to be the perception of the perfect formula, whether the formula is perfect or not. Now, uh, Daniel, you know, obviously Quebec seems to get a lot of the uh, the abuse when it comes to the discussion about equalization. But, you know, Alberta isn't the only one contributing. I think that people forget that everybody, everybody in this country contributes and then it gets distributed. And I think. That's part of the problem, as Janet pointed out, the misinformation out there. 
Yes. Uh, and the misinformation is not just in Alberta, by the way. It's all across the country. I mean, if we will do you know, a poll across the country, I think that uh, this is something that Canadians share, <laughs> not just that they like to, to fight over their territorial politics, as Warren said, but also that you know, the ignorance about equalization is widespread all across the country. So that's something that maybe brings us together in a negative way. Uh, but more, more seriously, I, I do think that um, what we are seeing now is not something new, obviously. Uh, we have, if you look at the work of Mary Janigan, for example, uh, her book, uh, you know, Let the Eastern Bastards Freeze in the Dark or The Art of Sharing on Equalization, we have been in this country fighting over uh, territorial redistribution since uh, 1867. And this is not something that uh, will stop anytime soon. So Warren is right about this. At the same time, I think that we need to address um, um, some of the shortcomings of the equalization formula. And I, I agree with Stephanie that, and actually we have normally on a regular basis to reassess the formula. Um, and last time around, the liberals just said under Justin Trudeau, we won't talk about it, we just, renew the formula and so forth. I think they could not do that uh, next time around. That they, Of course, they will be, I think that's why I said they should appoint an expert panel, preferably like last time under Paul Martin, it was an, an economist from Alberta, Al O'Brien, who's chaired the, the expert committee. So put an Alberta economist perhaps, or someone from Western Canada in charge, but people who are not, don't have a political stake in this and, and let them, put forward some proposals. And of course, when the proposals will be uh, uh, unveiled in a report, uh, some provinces will be unhappy. We remember what happened when the last report came out, uh, that what Danny Williams did. And, you know, uh, there was also some protest in, in Saskatchewan, but th that back then under Calvert, is, it was because Saskatchewan was no longer receiving equalization, which is very different than what Scott Moe is saying today. Um, so I do think that we need to look at this and it takes political courage and I'm not sure, I'm not betting on this, that the Trudeau government will do this, but uh, I think that it's in the best interest of the country to actually address uh, uh, the, the, the flaws of the current system uh, uh, without transforming it altogether, but at least uh, looking at the issues rather than, you know, putting our head uh, in the sand and, and, and just try thinking that this will all go away. Stephanie, I'm wondering if we just need some minor tinkering for this program to make everybody happy, or is this something that's going to need a, a large overhaul? I mean, I wouldn't want to be at the head of this commission, uh, quite frankly. I think uh, there are there are a lot of ways that we can tinker with uh, the formula, and I'm not sure that we will make everyone happy. Someone once said to me that a good compromise is a is a solution where nobody around the table is really happy. You know, there there will always remain uh, some disgruntlement, whether it's from Alberta or from Quebec or from Newfoundland, for example, who often get stuck in the middle as a uh, an oil producing province, but also a province that has had some pretty tough uh, hardships economically. Uh, so, so honestly, I'm not sure that there's a perfect solution. There probably isn't. Uh, but uh, I, I will chime in with, uh, with Daniel there uh, when he says that uh, it, it, I don't think this government can afford to not do anything and, and not, to, uh, not to try at least to address some of the grievances, despite the fact that, um, as, as Janet said, you know, this alone will not solve Western alienation and resentment. Warren, I, I guess, you know, Western alienation and resentment, that seems to be, uh, I guess, the, the, the thrust of this. Uh, obviously, equalization is what they don't like, but, it, you know, the bigger feeling, it seems to be, is Western alienization, alienization, 
alienization of this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's as complicated yeah. as the formula. Yeah. Like, look, right now in, in Calgary, I was talking to a bunch of friends there last week. Um, you know, are they disappointed, but with the results, some of them were organizers for the yes side. Yeah, for sure. But they're all focused on the price per barrel right now. Cause they're all going to make it like bandits over the next few weeks, you know, before Mr. Schwinard brings down, um, some real limits with respect to emissions. So, you know, people are happy. People are sad. <laughs> it, it kind of moves around, but I do think the expert panel is a good idea. And I would like to nominate Stephanie, Daniel and Janet to lead it. All That's right. That's, and, and well, you I was, can I was you going can to nominate Trevor. I was going to nominate Trevor Toom, but uh, as, as the well, token work. Albert, that I would I, agree I was, with Janet on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> but don't tell him I said that. He'll be very, he'll be, very oh, he'll, he'll be tuning in. Well, <laughs> okay, great, in the recording. <laughs> great discussion, folks. Uh, I, I want to thank you uh, for joining us. Our guest today on Unpublished TV, Warren Kinsella, former advisor to Prime Minister Jean Chrétien and political commentator. Janet Brown is the principal at Janet Brown Opinion Research. Daniel Bala is professor and director at the Institute for the for the Study of Canada at McGill University, and Stephanie Schwinnard, assistant professor, political science at Queen's University. Now, coming up on the next Unpublished TV, we'll take a look at the new federal cabinet. Thanks for watching Unpublished TV. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.